what is going on? I want to welcome you from half court today being Wednesday, October 24th, Thanksgiving Eve. I, of course, am your host, Sean Murphy, alongside my Marquette muscle, the man with the hustle, the corner three specialist, the machine, Troy Sergi. I, I like that. Itch. I just came up with that on the spot. That was, pr- I like that one, Troy. I don't know about you. It's better than the, that's better than calling you Carl Malone, wouldn't you say? I think that's a lot better than calling me Carl Malone, Sean. I like that nickname. We'll have to stick to it. Oh, there you go. I like it. Well, dude, it is good to see you, man. Oh, my goodness. And happy Thanksgiving, dude. I mean, hey. Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, so you are up with the family for the Thanksgiving weekend. Your first episode we've ever recorded in the same state, yet we're still far apart. Uh, Further apart, yeah. mm -hmm, Even further (laughs) apart. Dude, I, I should have thought of when, uh, when are you coming back down? Coming back down to uh, Grand Rapids or just, just down to the lower regions of yeah, the, the country? Yeah, when, yeah when, do you, when do you head back from the UP? Yeah, Saturday morning. Saturday morning? Okay, awesome. Yeah, I was, I was going to say at some point, we're going like, to have to do an in-person episode here at, here at, my, here at my place. That'd be fun. That would be um, a, great, uh, a great thing for our fans and listeners to hear, Sean, is a, a co- a co-hosting podcast hey it'd be good for it'd be good for our listeners but troy it'd be better for my soul okay i like that sean i like that sean (laughs) hey we have to be a little corny it's thanksgiving week you know what i'm saying i'm pretty i'm pretty mean to you all the time so i gotta (laughs) i gotta i gotta balance in some balance in some sweet love so but anyway dude um we have a packed show today yeah, we do. Uh, we have a lot we to talk have, about. Yeah, we have a lot to talk about, and I know um, we're gonna we have a lot to talk about, and probably a little less time to do it because we got family and all that mm-hmm. stuff that we got to focus on. But that's okay because each and every week here on From Half Court, Troy and I, no matter what, do our best to take the time to talk all things NBA basketball. And after the events of this past week, how could we not? But if you like that, be sure to like this video, subscribe to the channel, share the podcast with your friends as we are on all the podcast services that your heart desires. And you can follow me on Twitter at Sean Halfcourt. You can follow Troy on Twitter at Troy Sergi 44. And please do, by the way, because Troy tweets some good stuff about basketball and all, all good stuff. So he uh, doesn't get the recognition on there that he deserves. And quite frankly, daggone it, I don't, I don't want to stand for that. But anywho, Troy. Let's let's not delay any further. Nope. Yeah, we, let's get into let's, it. Let's 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 talk about the elephant in the room. That elephant, of course, being Jordan Poole scoring thirty point. No, I'm totally kidding. Um, <laughs> My heart dropped a second there, Sean. <laughs> no, of course we got to talk about Sunday, November twenty first. <laughs> of course, the incident between LeBron James and Isaiah Stewart, or as yep. I like to call it, the malice Peace at the dude. the malice at the Pizza Palace. Um, (laughs) so, um, if you have not seen the clip or if you are living under a rock for whatever reason, um, on with about seven minutes and 50 seconds to go in the second quarter, uh, there was a free throw that was being shot and LeBron and Isaiah Stewart were lined up on the block next to each other, waiting for a rebound. And, you know, with, um, with our good old handy dandy Isaiah Stewart right down there on the block, he's going to be pushing for, a rebound each and every time. So naturally, um, you know, naturally when a free throw like that happens, most of the times players 
Um, just let, let the Lakers get it. And then they just go back up the court. That's just generally what players do. However, Isaiah Stewart is not every player. So naturally that being the case, Isaiah Stewart, uh, was kind of digging into LeBron a little bit, trying to get around him, going for the rebound. Nothing that I saw that would, that would be anything egregious, by the way, nothing that warranted the contact from LeBron. Um, because then LeBron, um, swings in the direction of Isaiah Stewart at first looking like he's just trying to uh, shove him off a little bit. But in reality, we see in replay that LeBron takes a fully cocked fist and smacks Isaiah Stewart right on the eye. And from there, all hell broke loose. Um, At first, Isaiah and LeBron had a little bit of a tie up. You could tell things are getting a little tense. Words are being exchanged. But it was when Isaiah Stewart not only saw the blood running down his face, but tasted it too because it got all in his mouth that he just lost full control. Because there there is just something about when a man specifically tastes their own blood that that brings something different out of you. And so we, we saw that out of Isaiah Stewart. And he... He was ready to go. He wanted to, he wanted to fight and he wanted to fight badly. And so he uh, ran over. <laughs> um, he ran over bolted. some, yeah, bolted and ran over some of the Pistons training staff. Um, by the way, my favorite thing was, I'm not sure if you saw Troy, but that clip from the upper bowl where it shows yeah. the angle of Isaiah Stewart. Did yeah. you see the security guard? How he's yeah, just he's, like, he's just like, stop. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's not even moving. Like he knows he can't do a dang thing even yeah. if he wanted to. Um, yeah. So that is the best way to describe it. Now at this point, Isaiah Stewart has been suspended for two games and <coughs> LeBron James was suspended for one. And so with, with that Troy, I have a lot of thoughts. Yeah. First, I want to start with you. What yeah. was your takeaway that night how did you feel in the moment how did you feel leaving the moment what stood out to you I was just really attached to the situation I was like I want to know every single detail about this because this is nuts like like seeing how much Isaiah Stewart was you know pushing over uh like you said the training staff but also security guards and stuff I just it reminded me a lot of Malice to Palace not just because of the the on the court drama but John Mason himself when he's like fans please stay in your seats do oh, not yeah. come on the court do not throw anything on the court and I actually have uh, one of my really close friends from high school, Brady Abuzelman. He was actually at the game itself. Oh, and wow. he said at one point, they said, fans, do not come on the court. Yep. We have yep. top security. If you throw anything on the court, we will find you. Uh, so that's kind of crazy, right? Because we know how things went with uh, the real mouse at the palace. And oh, how- they were on top of it. They were yeah. absolutely all yeah. the credit in the world to... Detroit security, Detroit staff, um, everyone that was on hand that night because um, they clearly showed they were some of the top class in the league as far as how they handled it because, um, yeah, as you said, the malice of the palace is something we never want to see again. So the fact yeah. that they were able to avoid anything anything like that at all because let's be honest, 
it got a little it got a little dicey there for a second it, it got did. pretty dicey so and i think one thing too that i got out of that was at the end when isaiah stewart finally got in the locker room he like broke away from the two guys that were holding him back and then like sprinted you could see into oh, yeah. one of the sides and they were afraid that he'd pop out at one of the other sides and then oh. go after the lakers bench so that was kind of scary to yeah think so of. Corey joseph he actually had to run in the tunnel to stop isaiah stewart because he was going to try and run around and mm-hmm. go to LeBron through the other way. Like he was, yeah. he, yeah. he wouldn't stop. And I, and I, and honestly, yeah. Yeah. um, a lot of that comes from, I, I think comes from his background. I mean, he was, he was, uh, he was into boxing growing up. He mm-hmm. grew up in this, he, he grew up in Rochester, super blue collar neighborhood. And, um, you know, just, just the culture that, that he, um, that he's from and, and what he, what he, brings to the table um you know he i think it you know listen i think it was just a very 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 bad situation all around now here's what i'm gonna say lebron's not a dirty player i tweeted that night lebron's a dirty player i don't think he's a dirty player but what i will say is that it was an objectively dirty play i think he did not want to do that. Like, I, I don't think LeBron wanted to cause damage, but I also don't think he wasn't completely unintentional and blissful as he, as he was pretending to be. I mean, listen, his fist was cocked, right? His, his, fist, his fist was closed. His fist swung in the direction of Isaiah Stewart. And it just so happened to go to his face, which is especially the eye is a pretty, you know, like he, he he was looking at beef stew. And so he very could, he very well could have avoided the face in my opinion, Um, but he didn't. And so I, to me, what stands out of this, obviously beef stew overreacted. I mean, let's be honest, but also I loved it as a Pistons fan. Part of me absolutely loved, loved that attitude that was back and that, that fire in, in that, and just not th- that attitude of, you know, you're not just going to scratch. You're, you're not going to, you're not going to beat us down in Detroit. Like we're going to fight back. We're going to, you know, that this is Detroit basketball. We're tough. You know what I mean? Um, so from that standpoint, absolutely loved it. Now I think there's implications here that um, of like where we go from here, what this says about, um, you know, Isaiah Stewart, listen, I don't think this defines him at all. I, I think this is just, this is just one night. Now I will say, um, objectively great memes, great yeah, memes, some funny stuff, great memes. Yeah. Um, absolutely. I'm loving the memes. Um, but I definitely think, um, uh, I tweeted only LeBron can punch someone in the face and somehow come out the victim. Yeah. And I think, and I think that's where my head is because I, I think, if we're to be honest, if it was any other player in the league, like let's say it was flipped, right? Let's say Isaiah did that to LeBron, at least a five-game suspension, at least. Huh. Yeah. Um, and you know, may, and granted, I think some of that is you know LeBron doesn't have a history of doing that, but yet again, neither does Isaiah Stewart. Not like that, right? So, mm-hmm. I think, in my opinion. Either they both should have been suspended for two games or the, neither of them should have been suspended because um, yes, even though Isaiah did 
did elevate the situation. Um, you, you can't give him more of a suspension for reacting to being punched in the face because he was merely reacting to what was being done to him. You know what I'm saying? And that's just, that's the thing that's hard for me to swallow <laughs> out of this is just the fact that we clearly were seeing a guy that got very upset and rightfully so. I mean, that's, it was a cheap <coughs> shot. Let's just call it the way it is. It was a cheap shot, right? Um, so to me, a bit of a double standard is that, is that hand? Um, I think it's a double standard we've been aware of for a while as basketball fans. Um, because I mean, let's, I mean, let's just call it the way it is at this point. Right. I mean, the stars get preferential treatment in the NBA shocker. I'm glad we're, I'm glad we're sitting down for this. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, if you want case in point, uh, Troy, do you know the sleeping arrangements at the bubble at all? I didn't know. Um, so a lot of guys slept in very small hotel rooms, right? LeBron had a freaking suite. He had, he literally had the present. I think he had the, the biggest suite at the Disney, at the Disney resorts. Like, and Damian Lillard, same thing. He had a suite as well. Like, like a lot of these guys and granted, you know, if you're going to allocate it, allocate it to your stars, you know what I mean? That makes sense. But it's just, I think it's just, it's just, especially as a Detroit fan, when it is that Detroit versus everybody attitude, watching Detroit get mis, watching someone from Detroit get misrepresented, mischaracterized, and um, <coughs> deemed a dirty player for that. That's when my Detroit versus everybody mentality kicks in and says, oh, we're coming for you guys. Yeah. Like in the next couple of years, we are coming for you guys. You know what I'm saying? So I think that's where my head goes. Mm-hmm. So um, hearing that, like, is there anything you want to add? Anything you object to anything? Like, you know, like what, where, what, what do you yeah. think about Le- LeBron in this situation? Yeah. So I think I want to give him the benefit of the doubt in a small way, because, you know, it sounds like Anthony Davis said that, you know, when he did that, he, he tried to apologize before anything escalated. And I think, too, what I heard is that after the game, LeBron searched hard for Isaiah Stewart's phone number to try to call him on the phone after and apologize. Right. So, I mean, I mean I, <laughs> go ahead. <coughs> my only rebuttal, I'm sorry to interrupt. I feel like I, I, I do think he was genuine in wanting to apologize. I mean, it sounds like he, he was going out of his way to apologize. And I'm sure they've talked. I'm sure they have probably exchanged numbers at this point. I'm sure either they will, I've already talked, or they will talk on Sunday night when they play it, when they play at the Staples center. Um, and that's a whole other story, by the way, but I think the, the, the thing to me there is on the court, not that I don't believe that his apology is legitimate, but that doesn't mean that he didn't mean to do it. And it also has another motive there that on the, when he's, when he's apologizing on the court, it's like, it's like when you it's like when you do a flagrant foul, but then you try to go and reach and get the guy up so you don't get it so you go don't get ejected. You know what I mean? It's almost like yeah. you're you're trying to compensate so you get a flagrant one instead of a flagrant two. To me, yeah. I think there's a little bit of gamesmanship in there. I mean, listen, it's sure. LeBron. You know what I mean? So sure. Um, but <laughs> yeah, and I think with that too, <clears throat> I get the fist being cocked back, and I get the elbow, but you know that. <laughs> 
he didn't necessarily have a facial expression with that either. You know, he wasn't like, he was just kind of more like kind of thing. You know, I, I don't know. I, I want to say I definitely had maybe intentions to maybe like get away from me kind of thing, but I don't know if it was intentions to hurt or even bleed. Uh, with that being said, I, I do think no matter what it happened and I, I, I support the one game suspension for LeBron and uh, really the two for Isaiah Stewart, I thought was fine too, because, you know, there, there's a way to react, but when he like pretended, oh yeah, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And then he bolted back and, and more security guys fell to the ground and uh-huh. our assistant coaches were there too. You know, it, it, to me, it just, and I, I think I'm put yourself in, in that game, you know, as a kid, you know, at, at a fan and, or in the tents as a fan. And I think that doesn't really set the best, you know, image or role model stance. So I, I, I think, I think Isaiah Stewart getting a, a little bigger penalty than LeBron is fine. I support two games, one game. I, I think the right choice was made fully. I have no disagreements with that. I mean, I, I understand. Yeah. But like, I mean, you know, I, I, I understand the, you know, the argument, it, it, obviously it's not the best example. I mean, we all can agree on that. Right. But I mean, yeah. at the same, at the same time, I mean, y- y- like in a lot of ways, a lot of these guys really listen, first of all, if we're looking at actions that, that make players, <laughs> not role models. Um, yes, that was a very direct in your face example. Um, but we can go down a list of why a lot of players in the NBA should not be role models to any children. And that, and even with that incident, I would still pick Isaiah Stewart to be a role model to my kids over 80%, of, uh, 80% of the guys in the league, at least 80%. Cause that, I, that's how highly I think of Isaiah Stewart. Granted, Good. I am very biased in this situation. I'm going to admit that. Okay. But I think I, you know, I, I definitely understand that. It's just at the same time, you can understand though, how a 20 year old young kid <laughs> who gets a cheap shot grow now, granted going forward, this can't happen again. Not like Correct. this, Correct. this cannot Correct. happen again because Correct. he is too important to the team. He is too important to the city. He is too important to his, to the people around him. And so, yes. um, and the other thing is he can seriously hurt somebody. Yeah, I would Seriously. not want Isaiah Stewart after me, Sean. Dude, he looked like Lawrence. Like, like someone made the comment. He looked like Lawrence Taylor. You know what yeah, I'm saying? And, like he and I, six, I think... six eight, two fifty, built <laughs> like a like a jackhammer. Like that guy is ferocious. And I think you have to look at you know the possibility of what if there was no security or coaches holding him back. What would he have done to LeBron James, Sean? Oh, that's he would another have, important question. Oh, <laughs> he would have knocked him out. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. But the good thing is that they were there. Obviously, like, listen, yeah. I, at the end of the day, I don't think he was going to get to LeBron, even if he wanted to. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, thankfully there, I mean, obviously, you know, thankfully we are in a situation now where, you know, we have the luxury of, of, of living in a post malice at the palace world and knowing how to respond and how to react and how we can, you know, what we can do as fans, but also what they can do on their end to prevent stuff like that happening again. Mm-hmm. Um, this I now certainly I will say my, my least favorite thing of the whole thing, or, or I guess the, the funniest aspect was Russell Westbrook 
putting his fists up, looking like the Fighting Irish logo. Um, he looked like an idiot. <laughs> um, and and I honestly, I want to make a video about this soon. It might be next week, but the NBA has a tough guy problem, and it is bad. Like, and when I say tough guy problem, I don't mean <laughs> that there's a lot of guys that are tough guys. There's a lot of guys that are pretending to be tough, to be guys. tough guys. And it is, it is blatant. It is, it is stupid. Um, it, it's just, yeah, it's, it's freaking insane. So, um, you know, I think at the end of the day, like, listen, R- Russell Westbrook, he might've put up his fists. It was obvious. He wasn't throwing a punch. Even if he wanted to, he wasn't going to throw a punch. If he got close to Isaiah Stewart, he would have backed down 100%. You know what I mean? Let's call a spade a spade. So I, I think for me, that's where my head goes is just, all right, what are, what are we, what are we doing here? You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And I think Isaiah Stewart is a tough guy. Oh, you know, he, Isaiah Stewart. <laughs> no, no. And that, and that's kind of the point is like, I kind of want to circle it around this incident and be like, mm-hmm. man, we have a fighting problem in the NBA. No, not this guy. This, this guy. guy. Yeah, and just point to all the guys that like how tough they act when they it's like the it's like when you look at someone and go, "Hold me back, bro. Hold me back." Yeah. And you're just like, yeah. "Oh, I'm going it, it, it is such a <laughs> pretending thing, dude." And it's like, you know, cuz it if you really like just take the 10 seconds to analyze it, they just they all look stupid. Stupid, yeah. And so yeah. um, you know, Listen, if there's a guy uh, uh, in this league that is about that smoke, it's beef stew. Yeah. Um, and I, and- I really appreciated you on Twitter going into that chat room space after and talking about, I don't know if you brought it up or someone else, but they were talking about how there's very few players in the NBA who would have done what Isaiah Stewart did. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. You know what I mean? Like there's very few guys who are actually tough enough to stand for themselves and up for themselves in that type of capacity. You know, mm-hmm. I think of him and Patrick Beverly. Um, someone said the Joker. I, I don't know about that, but <laughs> listen, listen, I, I mean, listen, man, I, his brother, like, like, I know like his brothers are like super tough guys or act like they're tough guy. I heard that. And like, there are people like, Oh yeah, he's about it. Maybe I have to do a little more research. Listen, all I, all I've seen of Joker of the Joker lately is that punk move he did on the back of Markeith Morris where he just shoulder checked him in the back. Um, To me, that doesn't look like a guy that wants to fight. So that's just me. Um, (laughs) My now I will say, if you have not read it yet, um, first of all, uh, black Friday, uh, black Friday special. We're not sponsored by the athletic, but I will say James Edwards, the third, is one of the best beat writers we have in this league. Um, his writing is phenomenal. His, his coverage of the Pistons is always poignant. And I always, I generally agree with everything he says. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he just tells you how it is. Uh, but he also, he also loves to spotlight the character of the players and really, really brings you down to a deeper level of getting to know him. And he did a story that night on November 20, uh, that came out technically like early in the morning, November 22nd. And it's called the misconception of Pistons, Isaiah Stewart, 
altercation is no reflection on who he is. And it is an absolutely great story. I'm going to link to it down in the description below. Um, I think it's going to be like, I think the athletic does a special where it's only like a dollar a month for a year of the athletic for black Friday, which is pretty incredible. But I mean, we're not sponsored by them. I'm just saying that because I'm a huge James Edwards, the third fan um, shout out to James. And of course, the one time I met him and called him Jalen in real life, that is a great thing. But anyway, with that, Troy, I think, I think we covered it pretty well. Is there anything? We yeah. Is there anything that um, I, I, if there is anything I do want to talk about with it is that I think if there's any positive thing to take from it is that I haven't seen that kind of fire from a Detroit team since yeah. 2007 or 2006. It's been about 15 years since I've seen that from a Pistons team. Right. Right. That much energy in charge. And I think, you know, it, we'll never probably see, We'll never probably see a bad boys again. You know what I mean? Like a true yeah. bad boys, mm -hmm. but we can at least bring back the culture. You know what yeah. I mean? And mm -hmm. I think that's exactly what we're doing with this. And yeah, I saw that too. I really did, Sean. And I think we're bringing back that true winning, winning tough, real tough guy mentality, mm -hmm. I think. And I think that might send a message to the rest of the league. Like, Hey, you know, Playing against Detroit might be a little scary. You might have yeah. to actually stand your ground. You're not going to be able to take advantage of them in any way, shape, or form. You're going to have oh, to fight every play. Oh, so. it's by no means an off night. It is by no means an off night. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so you might get an off night, but not with us. Or Houston. <laughs> Houston, you might get an off night. Oh, but not with Houston, us. Orlando, you're getting an yeah. off night. You're absolutely getting an off night. You can go to Disney World. You can go play with the kids. You can do whatever the heck you want because, man, <laughs> oh, man. Um, by the way, Troy, may I add, um, Hamadou Diallo. Yeah. I just want to talk about him really quick. Big time. I want you to, to, to go ahead. Um, so he played the best game. Arguably he had as a piston against the Lakers that night. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Fire. The way that, yeah. Fire. Yeah. Yeah. The way that he's responded, um, after that situation in Cleveland, um, we, we didn't touch on it much here on the pod. I think we might've maybe briefly mentioned it, but, um, I said this in a Twitter space the other night too, which by the way, I've been having a blast doing those. Um, I would love to, at some point, maybe get enough of a following to where I can host my own. But for now, I just don't think I'd have that yet. Um, but what I will say is man. Oh man. Um, Hamadou Diallo, obviously that incident in Cleveland really upset about not getting play time. Uh, gets brought back by Troy Weaver to the locker room after that incident and he has responded and listen yeah. i um people were saying homie's done he's not playing again in detroit but no here's here's where i here's where i'm gonna give Dwayne casey his roses he knows what he's doing um mm -hmm. he he brings him back into the fold he gets him to play hard he gets him to play for his job he gets them to respond. And listen, you cannot, and this, this is, I will just beat this drum all day long. You cannot, you cannot be given playing time in this league. You have to earn it. And yes. Hamadou Diallo is actively earning it. Yes. Yes, absolutely, Sean. And I think what I saw with him was an absolute spark. It was almost like, like your, your phone is 
is on 2%, right? And you plug it in and before you know it, it's at 30, it's at 40, it's at 50. Man, it's a bad example, but you know what I mean? He just, that's just a faulty battery. (laughs) <laughs> like that's a that's you got to get down to the sprint store and get something fixed there. <laughs> but he just, he just took off like that was uh, such a fun game against LA and even tonight against Miami too. Easy, he, he had a, he had a good charge. So right, <clears throat> what I saw with Hami, I was really impressed with, and I think he he just looks like a different player out there too. Even from last yeah. year, even from last year, yeah, um, he's, he, he's, he he's seems... a guy. You, you just, he's like the microwave, maybe not with his shooting, but, but just definitely not with the shooting, but with his energy, a spark, a spark the energy, mm-hmm. the spark. It, you even said on the, on the podcast or, or the, the space a couple of nights ago, you said there's either two things that have to happen. Either one, he has to play with the same type of spark every game, or he has to develop an outside shot. If he can't, if he's not able to do either, then yeah, I don't think he has a place on, on the court, but he's doing the first one very well. And with that, I have no problem seeing him play 15, yeah. 20 minutes a night. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, you know, and, and I will say I'm finding a, we're finding a duo off the bench that might be one of the more fun duos that, um, that I did not expect, which is Hami and Josh Jackson. Yeah. He had a nice and three tonight, two of them in the corner. Man, Josh. When, when, when they're on the court together, it is a weird lineup. It should not work, but it does, but it does. And now listen, I will say they are the same type of player that either they are adding to your, to your cause or they are depleting your cause. And there is no in between, but man, uh, there, there was, there just some of the hustle plays that Hami got just, you know, listen, man, I let's slow down. Let's give Dwayne a chance. Let's because listen, uh, first of all, I've also been seeing like sports books and people putting Dwayne Casey as like that. Currently he's the highest. Um, he's, he has the, um, he has the best odds to be the next, the next coach to get fired. Um, which they solely base that off of team record. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if you really like, if you really listen to like what Troy Weaver says, and I mean, also they, they gave him an extension. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and on top of that, literally at like at a point last year, Troy Weaver called Dwayne Casey the best coach in the world for this situation. So, um, and I also said in the Twitter space, and I will keep saying to anyone, the day that I will accept the argument that Dwayne Casey should not be the coach for this team is when you show me who should be the coach for this team. Right. If, if you give me an example of a coach that fits this team better, where we're at, where we're going, where we want to be. Yes, exactly. I am all for it. But for right now, there is nobody in this league that fits this culture and this team and what we're trying to do better than Dwayne Casey because he is and the that's a best good point. in the world. At that's a good development. point, Sean, because I think if you take that argument away and you look at your original statement of, you know, the most likely to lose his job based off of the win-loss record, you have to look at other scenarios in, in sports, not just basketball. When a coach does get fired for the win and loss column, it's because it's not the right fit. That's mm-hmm. why they're losing games. It's because it's not the right fit. Like in Sacramento this situation, with Luke Walton. Exact. Perfect situation right there. Example. Or the Lawrence Frank years, right? With the Nets and then the Pistons. That's a different story. But um, it's the same thing. You fire a coach because it's not the right fit and the results are proven to show. In our case, it is the right fit because we have a bigger and broader goal towards the end. 
not only that, but also if you look at how we've been doing of late, significantly better. Significantly. That that Sacramento game was honestly a fluke of how bad we played because we've responded very well. We haven't really won a game. We won the Indiana game, but the last three have been losses, but I'm okay with them. Mm-hmm. Um, James, James Edwards III just tweeted, the Pistons are exactly what most thought they were. A young team that plays hard with some interesting pieces, the direction and without some core pieces that will eventually be added when the books open up. I'm sorry if you expected something else. Happy Thanksgiving, y'all. That's um, exactly and, the case. Yep. So again, follow James Edwards on Twitter, subscribe to The Athletic, and support support good journalism. Mm-hmm. Um, and so with that, speaking of Luke Walton, uh, let's touch on that real quick. Um, now, Sacramento Kings um, decided to call it quits with head coach Luke Walton after a really, really rough start. Um, a franchise that is looking to perhaps make it to a play-in tournament that is looking to um, take some of that talent they have and De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton and Davion Mitchell um, and, and, and really trying to turn a corner. And it is evident that that is not happening. Um, it is evident um, that he, it, it's pretty evident if you watch the Kings that he had, he did not have the locker room. Um, and the fit there, it was just not right. And so now with the, um, with Luke Walton being gone, um, you know, at this point, uh, the current interim head coach is Alvin Gentry, who Alvin Gentry is a great, is a really good coach, in my opinion, um, is someone that gets passed up on opportunities way too much. I think, I mean, listen, like li- li- listen to some of the teams he's coached, right? He was in Miami for a season. He was in Detroit for three. He was in, uh, um, he was, he was in the Clippers. He was on the, he was on the Suns. Um, he was, he was with new Orleans, which I think he was fired prematurely with the Pelicans. Um, I think, I think he has a genuine chance there in this, this, this coaching yeah. job. Yeah. Um, and, and, and also if you're talking about a perfect interim coach, Alvin Gentry is the guy. So, um, I, I think they're going to be set up for success there. Now they did lose their first game post Luke Walton, but they did only lose by eight. Um, now Troy, let's, let's put on our psychic caps a little bit. And I, this isn't a Kings related question. This is a, I want to know who's next. What, what coach, when you look about, when you look at the landscape of the league, what coach do you think is on the hottest seat? I'll go first. Cause I'm springing this on you. Yeah. Um, we you might know, be on the same page here. I, but go ahead. One, two, three, Steve and Silas. Oh, I, I <laughs> not quite, but go ahead. Who are, who are you going to say? Honestly, Sean, Frank Vogel. Whoa. <laughs> okay. 
Whoa. All right. Wow. All right. So let's get to Steven Silas in a second. Cause I like your, I like yours way better from a, from a fascination standpoint. Um, wow. All right. Let's, let's dive in. What, uh, what, what makes you say they're going to fire Frank Vogel? Just results, man. I mean, this core isn't working together. It It's just mm. not. And I, I think, Maybe this goes against my argument that I made earlier about a coach and the direction, but I mean, I think I think they're in a win now mode. Right I mean, now. I mean, I think it's cons- I, I think it's consistent with what you're saying though, because you yeah. you did you did also make the point that like you, you really only make a make a move when it's evident that the fit isn't there, right? right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sounds like your argument would be that the fit is very much not there. Sorry. I heard a snapping noise somewhere and I didn't know what that was. <laughs> like, Did something break here? That I don't know about, but I think we're gonna and, and the fit to me, isn't there because of your core, not being in my opinion, the best way to build around a championship team, um, putting a lot of old guys on, on the court and, and just the, the, the direction that they have right now is not, um, to me, a win now mentality. Like I think the organization is trying to put obviously on the court. Would you, would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think, um, you know, listen, I think Frank Fogel's being put in a very tough situation. Of course. Um, I think if there's a, if there's a, if there's a place to be pointing, I think you look at Rob Polenka in the, in the front office um, mm-hmm. because listen, you had two years ago, you had a championship roster. Um, they could have just brought those guys back. They could have played it safe yeah. and they could have run it back with the roster that won a championship. Right. Correct. Yeah. And instead <coughs> they made the decision to improve their, to try and improve their roster. And, and the conception was, was that it was going to make them better. Right. But sometimes you really just, it is, it is such a, a adage that is, that is so stereotypical, but it is there for a reason. And it is, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Fix it. And so if I'm looking at Rob Palenka, why fix it? Why, why move on from, a, from an interior force like JaVale McGee and bring in Mark Gasol, who clearly was on his last legs in the league, um, even though you thought he could have stretched the floor, um, let's be honest, it was really relying on Anthony Davis playing the five, but also like, even then, do you really want Marcus soul playing the four? Like, like, how, how does that work? You know what I'm saying? Um, and it didn't, uh, Montrez Harrell, he was a shell of himself for the Lakers. He just wasn't a good fit. Um, but anyway, all right. So anyway, sorry, ESPN was open cause I was trying to look at their stuff and there was an ad that was like, I was like, that scared the crap out of me. But anywho, um, so you have a situation now where um, you have a roster that on paper, I have to say, is one of the worst contending rosters that was put together in the history of the league. Out of desperation, out of desperation. And and I'm going to be honest. I feel vindicated as hell. I feel extremely vindicated because I told you it, it like sometimes it's not that hard. 
You know what I mean? It really isn't. I mean, I mean, listen, let's, let's go up and down this roster. Cause again, it's just, you know, like you're not getting anything out of a lot of these guys and it's just, it's just not fitting well at all. I mean, you brought, you bring in Kendrick Nunn. He's out for a long, he's out for a while. Anthony Davis is already dealing with some injury stuff. Um, Trevor Ariza. I mean, he he's injured already because he's old as crap. LeBron just got back from two weeks of injury. And even then you have Russell Westbrook, who's playing some of the worst basketball of his career. I mean, let's just call it the way it is. The guy's 33. So he's still relatively young, but once, once Russell Westbrook loses even a touch of his athletic ability, there's his game. It's gone. It's gone. He's shooting 28% from the three. He's shooting 42% from the field. He is turning over the ball five times a game. Some of the highest turnover numbers of his career. Obviously, since uh, it actually looks like since one of his uh, one of his better seasons. But I mean, listen, man, it's just at the end of the day. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And clearly, uh, it's not even just that that Russell Westbrook and LeBron don't play well together. Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis don't Davis play, well, don't play together, well together, either. which is yeah. so yeah. weird because you would think that would be at least a match made in heaven, right? <laughs> I mean, talk, talk about a, talk about an enticing pick and roll combo, (laughs) you know, like, like I thought the rim running potential of Russ and Anthony Davis was terrifying, but Russell Westbrook, he just, he can't do entry passes. The greatest he can't, he's just not the greatest half court playmaker come playoff time. He's not going to be anything that you really can use for this team. He's going to be a liability. So he's really here for these moments right now. He is here to fill these gaps, to fill these blanks, to get the Lakers healthy and to be in a position to succeed in the playoffs. And at this time, it's not happening. No, not at all. Not at Um, all. So if, if you're LeBron James, what are you feeling right now? Yeah, I'm feeling a lot of frustration. I'm feeling a lot of um, disappointment in that this is my championship roster that I'm supposed to win now with. Mm -hmm. Um, I think even too, you know, like if you put (laughs) LeBron in the shoes he was, you know, even four or five years ago in Cleveland with that team that got swept, right? Mm -hmm. Remember by the Warriors? Mm Mm-hmm. I think that was a lot of frustration, you know, on, on his part, but I think he kind of wanted redemption with that with, you know, of course we know there's LeBron, the GM as well, mm-hmm. trying to bring a championship core and, you know, bringing guys like Russ in, you know, we know LeBron had something to do with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, even Carmelo and, and, you know, of course, Anthony Davis is a good fit, but even bringing in Anthony Davis to begin with um, had to have been, a more LeBron James-ish move. So I think, you know, he's done a good job as far as bringing individual talent, but I don't know if LeBron actually took time to think, this is my teammate who I have to play with, who I actually have to go on a basketball court with and get stuff done with. I 
I don't know if those questions were, were yeah, going around yeah. his head. I think he just thought, oh, good player, good player, good player. It's just kind of how I see it. I, I, I have a hard time thinking LeBron really thought through that these are the guys that I can actually win a championship with. I can actually succeed passing the ball to and then passing the ball to me running pick and roll plays running you know screen screen downs and and pop up plays with I don't know right yeah I think so all right so if the playoffs are to start today which granted we have a long way to go more than likely the Lakers are gonna are gonna end up with a better record than this I I would imagine they're gonna end up even still in the top half of the standings in the west rather than the bottom I mean let's just be honest right yeah a fourth or fifth seed However, if the playoffs were to start today, the four playing teams in the in the Western Conference would be the Portland Trailblazers, the Denver Nuggets, the Los Angeles Lakers, and the Minnesota Timberwolves. To say right now that the Minnesota Timberwolves are currently <coughs> around them in 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 standing. And in the way that they play, an overall record is frightening. Um, the and 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 here and here's another thing. The Timberwolves are on a four-game winning streak. <laughs> like they're they're they have better momentum right now than the Lakers do. You know what I'm saying? It's just you know it. it, it at the end of the day, this is a. I think we just have this assumption that LeBron James is just going to ultimately find a way to get it done. But if you look at the way that the league is, has developed yeah. the way that the league has evolved, it just doesn't work that way anymore. I mean, the, right. the, we could the, trust that with Cleveland when he was there, but we, I, the, the game has too much talent now. And yeah. I think him well, especially himself, not in the Western he's already carried that burden. He's already carried that burden for so long too. You can't, mm-hmm. I think I think he's too old too to be carrying yeah, that. Yeah, he's not that guy anymore. Let's just <laughs> yeah. be honest. Like watching yeah. him play, he's just not that guy. Um, what I can't say, and, and and on top of that, you got Golden State who's back. You have yeah. you have the you have the Phoenix Suns who are on a thirteen game win streak. You have the Utah Jazz who are always a factor. You have the Clippers who, if Kawhi comes back, you know we'll see. Um, you got the doubt. You got Luka Doncic. You got. You got John Morant. You got Damian Lillard. You got you got Nikola Jokic. Where's the easy round in that conference? It doesn't exist. It just doesn't. So I definitely think there is reason to question if Frank Vogel is the guy for the job and if there's any team that can make a blockbuster coaching move in the middle of a season, it is the Los Angeles Lakers. You cannot rule anything out when you have the checkbook and you have the suave and the, and the reputation of the Lakers. However, <coughs> not even Phil Jackson with Kobe could save this team right now. Yeah. So yeah. Um, one last thing really quickly, uh, you and I were kind of talking about the play of Jordan Poole um, and how impressed you and I both are by him. And that leads to the question, um, who do you think is currently the MIP of the league? 
I'm going to stick with my guns. Kyle Kuzma. Kyle Kuzma. Okay. okay. His play, his play, and his result as of right now. Questions right now. Um, with the Wizards and him being that guy really on their team, <laughs> leading the charge, and you know his three point shooting is as. If I want, I want to say improve. I don't know the exact stats or, or anything. Yeah, let me let me let me pull it up just out of curiosity. Yeah, go ahead. So, all right. So, statistically speaking, um, it looks like his three point shooting is actually a little down okay. from last year, but it's like it's literally it's literally one percent. So it's pretty yeah. much the same. Yeah. Um, it looks like points wise, he's really only averaging like thirteen points a game. He's averaging about nine rebounds. So he's definitely stepped it up in the rebounding department. Um, it looks like um, it looks like he's getting to the line. Or, or uh, let me let me double check that. Let me no, he's really not getting to the line much. I saw field goal attempts and I was like, oh, free throw line. Um, so it looks like he's really doing a lot more throughout the court. I just think the Wizards is a better fit for him. <laughs> yeah, me too. I I, I think not having that spotlight is just a really good thing for him. Um, so that's where he's looking at right now. I, I certainly think um, I'm, I'm happy for him. Um, I don't know if statistically it's quite up to Jordan Poole, right? Because Jordan Poole at this point, 18 points a game, three rebounds, three assists, 45% from the field. I mean, he, he's not the most efficient from the three, but I mean, Jordan Poole can get you a bucket. Yeah. He can absolutely get you a bucket. It just looks like he's only going to get better. My personal pick for MIP is not Jordan Poole. It is not even Kyle Kuzma. My personal pick as of right now has to be John Morant. Yeah. Because John Morant took the leap. He like, did. The, he and I, I think that, you even mentioned, too, that third that third year leap that players have, right? We saw it with Jason Tatum. We're now seeing it with John Morant. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So even with Dwayne Wade too, mm-hmm. back in the day. Yeah, absolutely. And and it, and it's not just, um, I mean, it's not even just, I mean, like, I mean, he's, he's averaging six more points a game. He's um, he, he, he turnover wise. He's about the same. He assists wise. He's about the same. He's getting a, a little bit more rebounds. He's shooting better from the free throw line, but really the story <laughs> is his three point shooting. I mean, he is at, he is shooting 36% from the three up 6% from last year. And he is 100% taking that ownership and he is, he is leading that franchise right now. And yeah. um, just to, to see a guy go from an all-star caliber player to a superstar caliber player um, is special to watch. And he's an athletic freak too. I think that's an underrated part of his game too that people aren't talking about. Oh yeah, I, I think I think honestly, it's something we all marvel at, but it's something we don't talk about. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, I, I love his play. Oh, I, I don't absolutely. think there's another another definition of a face of a franchise player than than what he's doing in Memphis right now. I I would have to say, as a um, as a um, as a New Orleans Pelicans fan, I am not feeling great that we drafted Zion instead of instead of John Moran. And, uh, and I, what's interesting hindsight's about that 2020, too, hindsight's twenty twenty. Hindsight's twenty twenty. But 
But but Sean, I, I I strongly agree with that. But I'm really even shaking my head at New Orleans more too because, of course, we know the hype that went around Zion in that 2019 March Madness and all that. But I think mm-hmm. with that, that people uh, forget is that there was draft analysis say, saying I think I think Zion might have the better upside, but John Morant's the better player. People right. were saying that. People were saying that back in 2019. Right. I, and and I also. I, you know, with, with Detroit, people are like, Oh, like how is that? How's Cade not already the pick? How are you guys? Like you guys are talking about other players. Yeah. I mean, New Orleans pretty much hinted from, from lottery right. night, they're drafting Zion. So, right. um, listen, I, uh, David Griffin should not have a job. I'm just going to say it. He should not have a job. <laughs> but with that, Troy, it is now time from Marquette to go to from Mount Rushmore, wherever we go with my boy, Troy, Troy, where are we heading today? We're definitely going to Mount Rushmore, but we're also going to Hollywood. We are doing an interesting take today. I want to keep it NBA, but I don't necessarily think I can fully. We might have to make it basketball because we are going to make the Mount Rushmore of basketball movies oh heck yeah heck yeah i love that i love that i'm all down i'm all in let me get let me let me <coughs> refresh myself on other basketball movies all right i'm ready let's do this all right. i'm going to start with 1997 spike lee directed ray allen starring he got game this movie is kind of a spinoff of Stefan Marbury's life, which mm-hmm. is kind of weird because Stefan Marbury and Ray Allen were kind of seen as rivals going into the league in that 96 mm-hmm. draft were traded for each other, believe it or not. And here's, you got 17, 18 year old Ray Allen kind of playing the role of Stefan Marbury in this film. He goes, uh, he's the character in, his, in the movie is Jesus Shuttlesworth. He goes to Lincoln High School, which is a real high school in uh, New York, where Stefan Marbury really went. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and he's playing the number one rated high school player. And his father is in prison for a crime that he did, but accidental. Um, and he has a chance because the, uh, I want to say, who the eternal attorney general of New York is a huge basketball fan. And he wants him to go, his son, Jesus Shuttlesworth to go to his alma mater, which is a fake college called Big State University. And his dad is let off for seven days to try to convince his son to uh, go to Big State University. And it's kind of about their relationship and a little bit of redemption and, and definitely kind of the reality of some of the inner city truths of some of these players and a lot of even the messiness with college recruiting. And it's just, it's a great Spike Lee directed movie he got game has to be on my Mount Rushmore. Absolutely. Hey, I, you uh, got game, Sean? I've never seen the. We, oh, I, so you can't really talk much. I, I can't, but hey, I Spike Lee, Denzel, I'm sold. Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, now mine, my first entry, I just got to get the obvious out of the way, Troy. Can I just, can I just, can I just get out of the way? I know you're obvious. I know you're obvious. Come on and slam. If. You want to jam? I mean, listen, man, it's Space Jam. Like, yeah. Listen, obviously, obviously, if you watch it, it's not the highest quality film ever made. 
I will. I am the first to admit. However, I will say, from I, I will say, Space Jam is one of the most iconic sports films of all time. Yeah, it's a pop culture icon. It is. It inspired a generation, myself included. Um, it was one of the. It, it is one of the funniest movies I've ever seen as a kid. Um, it is a movie that brings me joy every single time that I watch it, unlike the new Space Jam. But anyway, I still really love Space Jam. It's always, listen, it's the end of the day. Um, it is something that's going to hold a near and dear place in our heart, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, it might not be the best, but I think, uh, I think it definitely deserves a spot on this yeah. list. What I like about Space Jam 2 is kind of the history that goes, the backstory with it too, of like, you know, Michael Jordan coming out of retirement and, mm-hmm. you know, him dedicating a good couple of weeks of, to a month to a, of, of his summer dedicated to this. And they brought in like weightlifting equipment to the Hollywood set for him to work out in between shoots and to play one-on-one. And a lot of guys, it was, it was known throughout the league that, hey, the big thing this summer is to meet Michael Jordan out in Hollywood and to play him one-on-one for him to go get back in basketball shape, mm-hmm. help him get back into basketball shape, but to also have your one opportunity to beat Michael Jordan one-on-one and, um, you know, be a part of a legendary movie set. So, I mean, mm-hmm. it was kind of really, it was kind of iconic to, as an NBA player to go fly out to LA and, and shoot, uh, you know, not necessarily be in the movie, but help Michael Jordan during this, this time of shooting in the movie and getting him back into basketball shape after, forming his body into baseball shape so mm-hmm. that's, that's a cool part about space jam that i can think about too oh oh absolutely it's uh and also even even watching the last dance just made it even cooler yeah, too just seeing definitely. like all the pickup games that were surrounding it and yeah. just um just where michael jordan was in his life at that time it's mm-hmm. just you know it is a it's a piece of basketball history it really is yeah. um now troy what is your next yeah edition? Mine is going to be, ooh, I can't necessarily think of the year. It's got to be 2001, 2002. Film, Lil Bow Wow, the star. Yes! Mike. Yes, like, Troy. Like They're Mike is going to be on basketball. Oh, we my goodness, dude. Yeah, anyways. Oh. So, like Mike, if you have not seen it, it's about uh, Lil Bow Wow is going to be the star. He is going to be a 13-year-old orphan. Calvin Cambridge. Calvin Cambridge is going to be a 13-year-old orphan in Los Angeles. And he uh, finds a pair of sneakers in his orphanage that have the initials MJ, which stands for Michael Jordan. They're Michael Jordan's Mm -hmm. old sneakers. And when he puts it on at a halftime show of the Los Angeles Knights, which is a fake team, of course, but emulates the Los Angeles Clippers, uh, he becomes like Mike. He has the scoring, jumping, dunking ability of Michael Jordan, and he receives as a 13-year-old boy a 10-day contract for the Los Angeles Knights, and that develops into a a one-year contract, and it's about his story, and he has some redemptive stuff, and he's going through some stuff as a kid, especially as an orphan, and it just, it's a great movie. It's a family movie. Oh, man. It's it's a better movie than people give credit for. That movie is... Oh my gosh, that movie's hilarious too. One of my favorite lines as a as a Dirk fan is Dirk and Steve Nash yep. find Calvin Cambridge in the locker room. And Dirk says, Hey Calvin, will you sign this for my niece? And he says, Yeah, sure. What's your niece's name? 
And he goes, uh, Dirk. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's good. So like Mike has to be on my list for Mount, Mount Rushmore. Oh, absolutely. I, I Troy, I, I'm so glad you put that on there. Now, my next edition. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest. Another basketball movie, movie I've not seen that I'd imagine is probably on your list is Coach Carter. I've not seen yes. Coach Carter. One hundred percent. So I like listen. I just for whatever reason, like I'm gonna be straight up. Any basketball movie I've seen growing up, I've had to seek out because my parents like they would only take me to the super kitty ones. Like remember Rebound. Remember, yeah. remember Martin Lawrence's rebound. I remember like my, Martin those, Lawrence's rebound. <laughs> those were the type of movies that my parents would take me to see basketball movie wise. So gotcha. coach Carter, that's one that I definitely want to watch. So yeah, it's Troy, really good. Sean, Troy, next time we hang out, maybe we have a little basketball movie marathon. He got yeah, yeah. coach Carter. Um, Absolutely. So coach my, Carter has to be up there. Go yeah. ahead. So my final entry is, is of similar vein. And it is the film 2006 Glory Road. Glory Road, Road, of course, talking about um, head coach of the uh, of of the Texas Miners, Don Haskins, um, going and um, really being the uh, first um, one of the first coaches to build a team on talent rather than race. Um, college basketball was predominantly white. So for him um, to, to recruit and, and be the first team to start five black players um, in a country that, you know, has, you know, so as, as far as what that, what that stands for, um, you know, Texas Western being not, not the biggest program these days, but also just, um, you know, how much significance that has, how, how much, how recent that is in the grand scheme of things, but also um, let's be honest. It's really just remember the Titans, but for basketball, but Hey, yeah. <laughs> remember the Titans is a great movie. And so is Glory yeah. road. So yes, yes. Um, that's what I've, I've even gone back and watched. I'm like, wow, that really is just remember the Titans, but yeah. Incredible movie. Yeah. I would, those two were my last two on my list too. So I don't have to really even explain myself. But with Coach Carter, I think it's really important for, for everyone to see that. I think, you know, work ethic, I think integrity, I think character building are all, you know, life lessons that everyone and anyone should, should, should you know, hold true to themselves and to emulate in their lives. And I think Coach Carter does a great job of bringing that out. And like you said, uh, the history with that, with that team and Glory Road really brings out that too. So both, I think, have to be at least maybe even the top two, you know, we had fun with the first couple, but uh, definitely check out coach Carter and Gloria road for those who haven't. So. Absolutely. And I, I couldn't have said it any better, Troy. That is very well put. And I think that is a great way to end this episode. Thank you so much for watching again. You can catch us each and every week here on this channel. If you like this podcast, if you want to check out other stuff we do here, from half court be sure to click that subscribe button be sure to share with your friends leave us a positive rating and join the conversation with us on twitter following myself at sean half court and following troy at troy 30 44 thank you so much for watching happy thanksgiving to you and yours have a safe holiday weekend and we will catch you next time from half court
be sure to subscribe.